saints that I've I haven't seen for uh, uh, quite a long time. Um, it's just good to uh, be able to get together. Uh, last month, I had the opportunity to be in Jackson, Mississippi, for uh, a conference there, and uh, it was a portion of it was live. I mean, we had about 60-some saints in a room, and then the rest was Zoom. And uh, we had a very good time, but I'm with you all. Uh, I'm about Zoomed out. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, in the future we could uh, continue on in a live way, although the Zoom has had its benefits and probably will continue to use it to uh, to some extent. Well, uh, today, um, I, I was considering, you know, uh, in, in uh, what to share. And I was thinking, well, Texas, you know, always is, uh, you know, among the best. Uh, in the Lord's recovery, the saints in Texas are always uh, they're they're always there at the forefront. And so I was I was wondering, well, should I share what I have the feeling to share or not? But the Lord did not give me anything else to share than what is on my heart, and I believe what is on His heart. So I'm going to go ahead and share it with y'all. And um, my sharing, uh, saints, will be in three parts. Uh, The first part, I will try to articulate uh, the burden, uh, the seriousness of the days in which we are living. The second part, I will read a lot of quotes from Brother Lee uh, in speaking about uh, the age in which we're living and uh, our meeting together with the Lord and uh, the solemnness of uh, our meeting uh, with the Lord. And then in the third part, I'd like to offer some uh practical uh, fellowship uh, in response to uh, what I covered in the first two parts. So uh, please be exercised in your spirit. I can't hear you, but uh, if your spirit is exercised, even though we're on Zoom, it will draw my speaking out. Amen, Brother Paul. Amen. So, saints, you know, recent events, both in the world, worldwide, and uh, in the United States, uh, have been very sobering. Um, Even as we speak, there's war going on uh, around Israel. And uh, that may or may not resolve itself, but I don't think it's going to get better, right? Uh, The situation there and uh, 
other parts of the Middle East and in the Far East. Uh, it is really like a powder cake. And um, in the United States, uh, we have uh, heard and observed things in, in recent months that I never imagined that I would observe or hear in my lifetime. But nonetheless, uh, these things are going on. And uh, as I was preparing, I was thinking about those verses in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul says, look carefully, this is beginning with verse 15, look carefully, therefore, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissoluteness, but be filled in spirit. And, you know, I read that, and it's just like Paul had written that for today, (laughs) right? He's talking about don't be unwise. You know, it's like he's talking about the ten virgins. Don't be unwise, right? Understand what the will of the Lord is, and be wise, redeeming the time, and uh, be filled in spirit, right? Get the oil, right? So uh, this really uh, caused me to consider the Lord's return, and more specifically, the judgment seat, the judgment seat uh, of the Lord. Um, You know, saints, let me illustrate in this way. In our life, you know, it's like a train, a train ride. You know, the first stop is when you're born. The second stop is when you get saved. The third stop is, for us, when we come into the Lord's recovery. But the fourth stop is the judgment seat of Christ. You know, that is the next train stop for all of us. And uh, uh, there's a verse in uh, 2 Timothy uh, that I'd like to read, 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul charged Timothy, he said, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And I charge you by his appearing and his kingdom. So, you know, these events recently 
have caused me to consider very much the Lord's coming back because it seems more and more imminent, right? It seems like it it really could happen. You know, sometimes in the past, you know, we talk about the Lord's coming, but it's like we're looking at something through a telescope. But now, right, our feeling about the Lord's coming is not that way. It is, my goodness, the uh, the stage is really set. Prophecies are being fulfilled, right? The four horses are racing. Uh, and and uh, it, it seems like at any time, you know, the Lord could come back. So we need to be sober. We need to be wise. And we need to be solemn about this particular matter. 2 Corinthians 5.10, another verse, tells us that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, right? To give an account, saints, of what we have done in our body. That means during our lifetime, right? We're going to give an account. We're going to receive a recompense of what we have done while we were living on this earth. Whether the things that we did are good or bad. And that word bad can also be translated worthless. It is possible that the things that we do in our body are good and will be approved by the Lord, but it is also possible that what we do uh, will be considered worthless. So, uh, you know, this consideration of the Lord's return and his judgment seat And the fact that whether or not we participate in the kingdom, right, in a joyful or not so joyful way, depends on the judgment seat, which depends on how we live our life today. And all of this caused me to consider, again, Brother Lee's solemn words over the last period of his ministry, which was from 1984 to 1997, that is, until he died. And I remember Brother Lee asked me to come down to Irving to fellowship with him before the training in 1984. And he wanted to talk about the word Trinitas, which is the Latin word uh, that we get Trinity from. But after we talked about Trinitas, then Brother Lee got to what was really on his heart. Uh, He had known me for many years, you know, even though I came to the recovery, a saved person. 
I always considered Brother Lee as my spiritual father. And he had helped me a lot and gotten to know me very well. So he asked me, he said, Paul, why do you think the increase in the Lord's recovery is so low or so slow? And, uh, you know, uh, this was just, uh, you know, a couple of months before he went to Taiwan to get into the laboratory to find out the biblical God-ordained way to have the church life. Notice, the God-ordained way is the way to have the church life. It is not merely the way to gain people, although that's critical. It is the way to have the church life. Well, anyway, I had thought about his question, and I gave my particular answer, And my answer basically was, in a nutshell, to save time, the people when I came in were open, the people now are not open. So what I was saying is, it's all their fault. It's their fault that there's no increase, or the increase in the recovery is so slow. Well, Brother Lee didn't say anything in response to what I had said. But later in a fellowship, uh, and I was not present at that particular fellowship, he made a statement. He said that he is not as concerned with the outward opposition to the recovery as he is concerning the deadness of the saints. Think about that. So I put that together with the question he asked me, and I realized that Brother Lee's concern was there's little increase in the recovery because the saints are dead, or at least not vitally living. Right. And so, uh, you know, I recalled that and I could almost say that the seed of my fellowship this morning was planted in that fellowship with Brother Lee in 1984. Right. Because ever since that time, I've been thinking, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what a shame that we have a little increase. Uh, and and the reason for that is not somebody else's fault. The reason for that is we are not that vital. So, brother, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord led me to consider the portions uh, in Brother Lee's ministry where he talked about. Um, the Lord's coming back, and the judgment seat, and our fruitfulness or lack thereof. And especially, saints, 
the uh, many times he fellowshiped concerning Matthew 25 and John 15. And, you know, it's in regard to these portions that I will read the quotes that I have uh, for this morning. I hope that will be all right with you. If not, just mute me out. It is more than all right with us, Brother Paul. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Matthew 24, or sorry, 25, Matthew 24 also, for sure, but 25 specifically, in the two parables, which you're all familiar with, that begin that chapter, there is an evaluation that takes place. I use the word evaluation. Uh, Sometimes when we hear the word judgment, you know, it has different connotations to us. So I like to use the word, a nicer word, but uh, still a sober word, evaluation. We will be evaluated. And of course, in these two parables, the evaluation is, first of all, concerning life. That is in verses 1 to 13. But secondly, we will be evaluated concerning service. And saints, once that evaluation comes, that is the end of our opportunity, right? That is the end of our our opportunity. Our opportunity to be evaluated in a good way is today. Today is the day of salvation, right? Today is the day. Uh, The first parable as you all know, is on life, and particularly, it is on the Lord's life spreading from our spirit, the lamp, to our soul, the vessel. You all know the parable. It might be good for you to read it again these days, together with the footnote. And that matter of the oil, of course, we all have oil in our lamps, right? In in Christianity, where I spent, you know, a a long period of time, uh, the last period of which, by the way, was as a Southern Baptist, you know, Our life, what we do, uh, is a matter of gaining or buying the oil. We're all regenerated. That is, we have oil in our lamp. And in Christianity, I I, uh, lost my train of thought a moment ago, but I got it again. 
Uh, in Christianity, we used to sing, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Something like that. Keep me burning till the break of day. And, you know, they missed the whole point. You've already got oil in your lamp. You're regenerated, right? The spirit is with your spirit, right? But the problem in this parable is not with your spirit. It is with your soul, right? The oil from the spirit needs to spread, needs to uh, uh, go into your vessel. That means your soul. The New Testament has a lot of ways to express this. One way is that Christ may make his home in your heart. You know, that's the same thing that we're talking about. Christ, who is the Spirit, needs to fill our vessel. That is our soul. And saints, this is very serious. You could see in reading the parable that the wise virgins during their lifetime, got oil to their vessel. No doubt they paid a price for that. And I'll say more about that in my practical fellowship. But the foolish ones simply had oil in their lamps. And when the call came, the bridegroom comes they realized that their lamps were going out. That is, they did not have sufficient oil in their vessel. And so, even though they, you know, were told to go and buy, I don't want to get into the exposition of this parable, when they came back, it was too late. There are some fearful verses in the Bible, but one of them is this verse that says, and the door was shut. And the door was shut. In other words, into the wedding feast of the bridegroom go those saints who paid the price to get oil in their vessel. And the others, they are not admitted. Even they ask, oh, open to us, open to us. And the Lord told them, I don't know you, which means I do not approve you. I do not recognize in you my increase. And so they are excluded. And saints, exclusion, in my experience, is one of the most painful experiences in the human life. Well, imagine how it will be in the next age. Exclusion. And through no other fault, than our own. 
Well, I could go on and on uh, on this point, but the, they, there will be an evaluation how much oil is in your vessel. Right? This should sober us, even though we've heard it hundreds of times, maybe. As the day draws near, we should be more sober. The second parable is on service. And instead of virgins, you have slaves. But Brother Lee, in his ministry, indicated that actually we are both. We're both. He called us virgin slaves in one portion of the ministry. We're virgin slaves. And with the slaves, it is a matter not so much of life. Life is the base. If you don't have life, you cannot serve. But if you don't serve, as we'll see in a moment, there will be a problem with your life. So we are the virgin slaves. And in this parable... It's very interesting. The Lord who in that parable is not the bridegroom, but the master, the metaphor changes. He is the master and he delivers his possessions to the slaves. And saints, let me ask you, even though you're all muted, who are the Lord's possessions? we probably would think, well, we are. We are the saints. But uh, in the way to practice the Lord's present move, chapter (laughs) 8, if you care to look it up, the Lord makes it very clear that the Lord's possessions are not only the believers, but are also the unbelievers the sinners, they are all the Lord's possession. And so the Lord delivers these possessions into the hands of the slaves. And what does he expect? He expects profit. He expects interest. He expects something back, right? Because he's all He's given all of us some talent, right? Some gift. And he wants that gift to be applied to the possessions to gain him some profit. I hope you can follow me. Well, we know the story, right? Some were faithful and they gained. And it's marvelous that, here's another sobering verse. (laughs) You know, the door was shut in the first parable. And in this one, the master came to, to do what? To settle accounts. To settle accounts with the slaves. You know, this is like a businessman. You know, he comes. 
And it's very, it's, it's very serious. You know, I gave you something, I delivered to you something, and then I gifted you, and now I'm here to settle accounts with you. And we know the story, some were faithful, whether five or two, they got the same appraisal from the Lord. Well done, enter into the joy of your master. What is that? That is reward in the kingdom. Reward in the kingdom. With the virgins, it was entering into the kingdom to feast with the Lord. With the slaves, it is something further. It is reward in the kingdom. But we realize that one of those slaves was not faithful. Right? We all know the story. He hid the talent in the earth, which means he got involved in the world. He made no profit. When the master came to settle accounts, he made excuses, and from his excuses came a condemnation. And he also will experience exclusion. That is the outer darkness. I don't know what it is, and I don't want to ever find out. Right? He is assigned a portion in the outer darkness. So, saints, this is very sober, right? We all will give an account, Paul said, in more than one place, concerning life and concerning service. But then there's one more portion that the Lord reminded me of from Brotherly's ministry, and that is John 15. Oh, how many times Brotherly spoke about John 15. And you know, saints, I'm sorry to say, for whatever reason, we don't talk about these things that much these days. I don't know why, but we don't. Maybe you do, because Texas is always a little bit better to my view, but we don't seem to talk about this, but we should, we should, right? This should be a light over us 24-7. The Lord is coming back and we will appear before his judgment seat. Now, John 15 verses 1 through 11 is a very solemn portion of the word. You know, some, uh, and I realize we have some hymns, and I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. But, you know, we have some hymns, you know, abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. You know, we're so happy abiding, abiding in the vine. Uh, Praise God, he put us here never to leave. Oh, we're abiding, abiding in the vine. And that is wonderful. But that's as far as that song goes. And Brother Lee, in his last years, made it very clear that John 15 
is not a chapter on abiding in the vine. He said the subject of the chapter is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is the subject of John 15. So maybe we need to add some other verses there. Obviously, if you're not abiding in the vine, you can't bear fruit. But if all you're doing is some kind of, and I say some kind of abiding in the vine, and there's no outflow, there's no issue, something is wrong, right? Something is wrong. And another verse that is kind of sobering is verse 2. Just this morning, the Lord was, you know, I I was, you know, getting up and preparing to, you know, uh, go and have breakfast. And just verse 2 was just pulsating in, in my head, you know, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes it away. What is this? Saints, think about that. Is this not a legitimate branch? Surely it is. The Lord says, every branch in me, in me. (laughs) How can you be in him? and not be legitimate. Am I right? Impossible. Yet, it is possible for you to be a branch and to not bear fruit. Right? There's problems, obviously, and we may get to that at the end if I ever get there. Right? But it's possible to be a branch and to not bear fruit. And the consequences are to be taken away. What does this mean? You lose your salvation? You're on your way to perdition? No. It means that today you are cut off from the rich enjoyment of the vine, that is Christ, from the enjoyment. And in the future, the next age, you will suffer some loss concerning the enjoyment of the riches of Christ, right? And the Lord hints at this enjoyment in verse 11. He says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Saints, have you ever thought about what does that mean? Have you ever experienced, or has it been quite a while since you have experienced, my joy in you? That is the Lord's, the Lord's very joy. This is akin to Matthew 25, to the slave. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the Lord says, not only my joy may be in you, he says that your joy may be made full, 
full joy, right? Full bore joy. Have you had that lately? <laughs> I don't want to be a bad man. But anyway, think about it. Think about it. This is very serious. Well, uh, saints, that those are the three portions of Brotherly's ministry that really struck me during these days. Now what I would like to do, I would like to read. And by the way, um, I mentioned that the Lord's possessions are not only the saints, you know, because we could think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I go to the meetings, you know, and once in a while I prophesy, you know, so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking care of the Lord's possessions. That's very good. But Brother Lee made the point that the possessions are not only the saints, but the unbelievers. And there, as we will see, is the key to joy, unspeakable joy. You know, Paul was such a one. In in, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, you know, Paul said the stewardship of the grace of God was given to me for me. No. (laughs) No. It was given to me for you. Who is the you? That is the Ephesian saints. The Ephesian saints. But in verse 8 of Ephesians 3, he says, again, to me was this grace given, right? That I might what? Preach the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel to the Gentiles. So in Paul's mind, right, the Lord's possessions are both the saints and the sinners. We need to keep that in our good memory. Now, saints, uh, I don't know how my time is. When do I have to stop? You just tell me when I have to stop. Where we can we can go. We've gone in the past all the way to eleven thirty. Um, I'm delighted. Uh, I think we all are that we have you with us. Okay. And so, um, all right, and, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So and, I want to read um, some quotes. Yeah. I if you want, Paul. Brother Paul, if you want to have a, a couple of us, Peter, Newman, myself, a couple others, we'll unmute to respond to you because I know that that kind of Good. we can help pull it out if you want. Good, that would be wonderful. Okay, here's Peter the first Newman. quote. Here's the first quote, and this is from being desperate and living uniquely for the gospel. Short book, just read it again. Right. 
Brother Lee says this, the slothful slave should have taken the Lord's word solemnly. Yes. He was not desperate. Just to keep what the Lord gave you is not sufficient. Oh, Lord. He wants the interest, the fruit. These are some solid verses. That is in Matthew 25. In the New Testament, concerning our destiny, do you believe that the Lord is real? Amen. Do you believe that he will come back? Do you believe that one day he will ask you to give an account? Why are you not solemn? Why are you not desperate? Will you just keep what the Lord gave you and not go back to the world and stay away from sin? You may be a good Christian, even in the Lord's recovery, I would say, coming to all the church meetings and keeping all that the Lord has given you. But in this parable, the Lord said that he wants to recover what is his with interest. Amen. Do not say that it is too hard, that the opposition is so prevailing. This is just an excuse. This is like telling the Lord that he's a hard man and so forth. You may take this excuse, but the Lord will never take it. The Lord will take your excuse as a condemnation to you. It is quite possible that we could be this slothful slave. Wow. Paul said that he solemnly charged Timothy by the Lord's appearing and his kingdom. Actually, I read this verse. His appearing is seen in Matthew 25 with the slothful slave. This kingdom is a kingdom of reward or punishment according to what we have done and what we have done since we were saved until he comes back. Amen. Okay, number two, the practice of the church life according to the God-ordained way. I'm sorry, uh, that quote I just read was on page 24 of being desperate and living uniquely for the gospel. This quote is page 143 and 144 of the practice of the church life according to the God-ordained way. You know, saints, let me, let me just make a remark here. One time, uh, some time ago, I, I was so taken with the 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 um, sobriety, uh, the yeah. I don't know the right word to use of what Brother Lee was trying to get across to us uh, when he was sharing on the God ordained way, which by the way comprised fifty percent of his ministry between the time he went to Taiwan and went to be with the Lord, 50%. 
And I, I turned around from my desk and I counted all the books that were related to the God-ordained way or parts of the God-ordained way. And I discovered that there were, there were uh, something like 70 or 80. Wow. You know, it, it's hard to sweep that under the rug. You know, the rug will look like this. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lot of ministry. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Here's some more. In the Lord's recovery, listen to this. The first thing that must be recovered is Christ with his body. Amen. Amen. The second thing to be recovered is the function of every member of Christ's body. Amen. The God-ordained way is to recover the function of every member of Amen. the body of Christ. This Amen. is the Lord's recovery. Amen. Yes. That's right. So further down the page, listen to this. When the Lord Jesus comes back, the first thing he will check with us is concerning how we lived our life. I do not believe that he will be concerned mainly with our overcoming various negative things. The Lord Jesus may ask us, what kind of life did you live? How many members have you begotten for me? How many members in my body have been nourished by you? How many members in my body have been perfected by you? And to what extent has my body been built up through your prophesy? I am very concerned that many of the saints may not be approved at the Lord's judgment seat. Wow. Then listen to this. This jolted me. Mm. I do not believe that the number of overcomers will be large. Wow. Wow. We all need to see that one day we will stand before him to answer these four questions on begetting, nourishing, perfecting, and prophesying. Thus, we must endeavor to get into these four things. This is vital. These four things are crucial. We suffer defeats in our Christian life because we do not live this kind of life. If we live such a life, we will be fully occupied with begetting, nourishing, perfecting, and prophesying, listen, we will not have any time to consider anything else. Oh. Wow. That's right. You see, this is Brother Lee. It's not me. Well, it's me, but it's Brother Lee. <laughs> yeah. Then may I go on? Yes. Yes. The training and practice of the vital groups 
page 36 and 37. I'm, I'm going to skip around on these pages and a little bit on 38. This is more on fruit bearing, right? Amen. Please listen carefully. If we do not bear fruit, that is, beget some spiritual children, there is not much meaning to our church life. Without fruit bearing, there is no practical church life. Did you get that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Suppose that we baptized 58 new ones in the next Lord's Day church meeting. All of us would be excited and joyful in the Lord. (laughs) Our joy would be full. But we do not have much joy because we are barren. Barrenness, listen is the biggest enemy that annuls the proper church life. We may feel that we have been enjoying the Lord every day, but a tree is known according to its fruit. The real church life can be evidenced only by fruit bearing. If we have not borne fruit for three years, for five years, or even ten years, our enjoyment of Christ should be questioned. Something must be improper or wrong if we are not bearing fruit. And saints, I'll say more about this in the third part of my sharing. If we do not bear fruit, there is a danger that we will be cut off from the vine tree. This does not mean that we will suffer eternal perdition, but that we will lose our enjoyment of Christ as our portion. We may feel that there's nothing wrong with us, but based upon the fact that we have not borne fruit, we must realize that something is wrong with our enjoyment of Christ. If we do not have fruit, our so-called enjoyment of Christ can be a self-deceiving matter. It is not so real. Lord Jesus. And saints, I would like to insert something here uh, by the Spirit's leading. You know, in the Lord's recovery today, so many of us live from feast to feast, right? The seven feasts. We live from feast to feast, Holy Word for Morning Revival, right? And in a sense, and then, you know, we share with one another. And, you know, in a sense, that is our church life. Am I criticizing this? Absolutely not. We need that, those seven feasts, to continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. Amen. Amen. 
And we need them now more than ever. If you're going to beget, if you're going to nourish, if you're going to perfect, if you're going to prophesy, you need something. Right. Yeah. But if that's all that you are doing in your so-called church life, that is not right. That word should run and be glorified Amen. in you. Amen. Amen. You know, I would say, you know, we could say, well, you know, Brother Paul, you know, in, in you know, this last whatever we had uh, before now, we're coming up to Memorial Day, thank the Lord. But I really, you know, I, I just enjoy, quote, quote, these points. I'm not questioning, you know, enjoy, but what do you mean by enjoy? What is that enjoyment? Is it true enjoyment that we're talking about? Or is it just a kind of appreciation, an appreciation of some points, right? You know, please don't misunderstand me. We need to consider Right. Our so-called church life. You know, what Brother Lee was endeavoring for in this last period of his life was something 24-7. Right. 24-7. Right. Not to slot in some meetings into my schedule. Right. Okay, Lord's Day morning, Lord's table, prophesying, Tuesday or Wednesday, prayer meeting. And then if you have a ministry meeting, which is not a church meeting, but anyway, it's a big meeting, slot that in. And then a, a so-called home meeting, slot that in. And that's the church life. Think about what I'm saying. Yeah. What Brother Lee was endeavoring to get us into was a 24-7 church life. A life. A life. A church life. A life. And this life, as he said, is hard to have if there are no new ones. Right. The vitality has gone. Some brothers and sisters have been faithful in the recovery and for the recovery for many years. But I have observed that they have not borne fruit. They love the church. They are for the church. And they support the church financially. But they are not bearing fruit. They should realize that not to bear fruit is a serious thing before the Lord. Saints, am I scaring you? <laughs> am I scaring no. you? Oh, it's, I mean, it's sober. It's sober. It, it's sober. No. You, we better hear it now than when it's too late. Absolutely. Amen. That's right. Amen. The Lord wants us to have a spiritual life in the church, to go to the meetings, to worship him, and to live him. But what is all this for? 
If all the saints in the church were like this, yet no one bore any fruit, the church would eventually die out. If the people of a nation did not bear children, the nation would eventually become extinct. The most basic, crucial, and vital thing for us is to bring forth children. Yeah, amen. 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 Oh, Lord. Amen. Look at my time here. Enjoy, brother. Amen. Here's another one. I may, I may not read them all, but here's one more. Okay. For the Lord's recovery, we all need a turn from barrenness to fruitfulness. Amen. And saints, you know, Brother Lee made it clear that in John 15, you know, some people spiritualize that. Fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace. You abide in the vine, and then love, joy, and peace comes out. Brother Lee was emphatic. No, we're talking about people, people, people. people. God's economy is related to people, people, people. Amen. That's the fruit. Wow. We need the new ones. Amen. Amen. We need new blood. You know, I shared uh, something along this line years ago in NorCal at a conference, college conference. And in the testimony time, a young brother came up to the microphone and he said, I've just been saved for, for six weeks, but we need new ones. Amen. I mean, to me, that was Amen. just too yeah. marvelous. Yeah. Even he had the feeling, we need new right. ones. Right. Yeah. Amen. We need new blood, newly saved ones. All the local churches must pay attention to this. If our number remains the same (coughs) year after year, Mm -hmm. the saints may eventually lose interest in serving. (coughs) Instead of being busy in the church life, they may become busy in a negative way. (coughs) You know what that means. Yeah. Busy with the world. Right. Yeah. If your hands, saints, are full of people, you don't have time for the world. You don't have time for the South. It's just yeah. like a mother, you know, before she had the child, you know, she with her hair, she would spend a long <laughs> period of time, you know, uh, 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 you know, but then once the child is born, boing, boing. You know, you just leave the hair the way the hair is, but you've got a child. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You've got a child. That's right. Right? So you don't have time for the world. You don't have time for the South. This is the Lord's wisdom. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And to my observation, too many saints in the Lord's recovery today, I don't want to say too much. But they are not occupied enough. And so you can see the world creeping in. 
creeping in, mm. creeping in. I don't mm. want to say too much. Amen. The only rescue for us is to change our way so that we can gain the increase. This is the only remedy. Amen. <laughs> well, saints, I'm battling the clock. Amen. I want to read one more and then say something practically. Amen. I always told the trainees that I taught the New Jerusalem class and I love the New Jerusalem, you know, for all of the wonderful things that are there. Right. But one thing I really liked about the New Jerusalem is there will be no clock. (laughs) (laughs) But I still have the clock today. We're not there yet. Right. Well, Brother Lee, I hope that you would be impressed with the seriousness of not bearing fruit. Wow. Any branch that bears no fruit will be taken away. You may say that you enjoy Christ, but where is the enjoyment if you have not borne fruit and have been cut off from the vine tree? How could you enjoy the vine tree? This is solemn. Then listen. Saints, wake up. Amen. As a brother among you, I am shouting, sounding, and even crying to you. You have to wake up. This is Brother Lee. If the Lord is real and the Bible is a true book, it is solemn and serious to be a Christian without bearing fruit. You may have been cut off already. This is why you may not have had enjoyment, real enjoyment of Christ for years. We know in our heart of hearts, saints. Yeah. You got cut off from him. The elders and co-workers need to consider this. We may have been in the Lord's recovery for many years, but what have we been doing? Well, I've got more, but I'm going to stop there with the quotes. And I will conclude my sharing. Saints, I hope. Uh, with some of them, I didn't give you the references. Um, what I could I put them all in the chat, Brother Paul. Okay, good. So um, <clears throat> we need to hear this soberly. I know that Brother Lee shared these things 30-some years ago. And I'm afraid this could become an excuse. But to my observation... Things are largely the same among us, especially in this matter of fruit bearing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Saints, why could we be, uh, here is uh, two points of practical fellowship. What, I'm sorry, why could we be a branch 
in him that does not bear fruit. I've been considering this for uh, quite a number of years. And, uh, you know, the Lord gave me an illustration. We are all like a well, a water well. And in Genesis, Abraham dug wells. You remember? And, you know, they were all named a certain name. Yeah. But eventually what happened was, you know, water was gushing out of the well. But eventually what happened was the enemy, that is the Philistines, came. And what did they do? They filled up the wells with stones, with rocks, with dirt, and other things, and they blocked up the wells. It is interesting that in the Bible, Philistines represent religion, the world, the self, you know, all of these things, the Philistines represent. And so, you know, to spiritualize this, if we are not careful concerning our inner being, Religious things, very subtly. Worldly things, the self, right? Right. And whatever else, offenses, right? Unforgiven offenses, yeah. Right? Ambitions, things come in. And what do they do? They clog up us as a well. Yeah. You can't say there's no water coming out, but it might just be a trickle. (laughs) That's like our joy. Our joy may just be like a trickle. There is water, but it's not full flowing like it was at the beginning. So what happened? Praise the Lord, Isaac and his men came. And they redug all the wells. Amen. And then later, of course, there is that wonderful verse, spring up, O well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. What did they do? They dug. They dug. And and saints, in this whole matter of the God-ordained way, right, of being fruitful, uh, Brother Lee spent a lot of time on the matter of us caring for our inner being. And by this, I mean spending time with the Lord to confess, to deal, to dig, dig, to unload, to unload. And it may take quite a, a while because we may have become careless Maybe some of you have not, but maybe some of you have. You have become careless, so your well has been blocked up. In order for us to abide in the vine and to bear fruit, the way must be clear. Amen. Right? I I realize I'm dealing with two metaphors here. 
that I think you can follow me, right? We need to redig our well. We need to spend the time. One time I was driving Brother Lee between localities. He gave me his testimony, you know, about three hours worth. I wish I had a recording. It was just he and I in the car. And I remember he said that at the beginning of his Christian life, he went to a mountain. Maybe it was just a hill. (laughs) But anyway, he went to an elevated place. And he spent a lot of time there just unloading, unloading, confessing, confessing, confessing. And he maintained that through the years. He did not allow his inner being to be filled up with anything else. Your family could, uh, I'm not saying don't take care of your family, but undue care for even your family can become like a rock. A lot of things that the Philistines uh, right, uh, Satan's arm, you know, would bring to block you up. I like that word, that uh, song that we have spring up well with water, dig thou, Lord, completely, amen, dig away all barriers, amen, that thy stream flow through me. Amen. Dear saints, you know, we realize that eventually a last revival is coming. And I believe that pre-revival must be this kind of digging. This kind of digging by so many, if not all of the saints in the recovery, needs Mm. to take place. We have no idea what might be clogging us up. But the Lord knows, and we need Mm -hmm. to just go to him and open to him, not introspecting, but just open and let him shine. Amen. Amen. According to his shining, his pointing of his finger, we deal. Mm. Amen. And take as long as it is necessary. Amen. Amen. And I was thinking, saints, if all of us would do that, and all of our wells would be flowing full bore, when we come together, (laughs) that will be the river of Ezekiel 47. Amen. Amen. All shall live where that, oh, that deluge, that flow of all of the wells that flow will cause so many to live. That will bring in quite a revival. Amen. But saints, Amen. we need to dig. There's no need again that Christ the rock be riven, but Amen. unto the digging that I should be given. Hmm. Right? That's the need. Right? And yeah. that's one... <laughs> That's one practical point, right? If we do this, saints, 
I do believe, I do believe if we go to the Lord and mean business, we will bear fruit. Amen. Amen. I believe so. Amen. We need to be desperate. You know, desperate means life and death. You know, so many of us, even you may be listening to me this morning and, you know, well, I've heard this, you know, yeah, yeah, he may be off. You know, he may be wrong, you know, and we're not, it's not life and death. What I've tried to present to you this morning is life and death. Right. And we should be desperate. We should be desperate. Right. It's a life and death matter. Amen. And saints, um, we need to give the Lord our time. Amen. Our time, number one, to dig. And our time number two, to pray. And eventually, in fellowship and in coordination, to go out. The Lord needs to gain our time. Oh, my goodness. Our time. Ooh, I'm one minute over time. Our time. Don't worry. Don't worry. uh, Saints, our time is such a precious commodity. You know, let me just say this. You know, you could take your wallet out and put some money in the offering box. You know, that's easy. But for the Lord to gain your time, that's really you. Your time is really you. And for the Lord to gain your time, that is a big thing. And that's the only thing Satan's got left. Right. And if he can yeah. occupy our time, he extends his time. Wow. Praise yeah. the Lord. Eventually, yeah. the overcomers will be raptured. <laughs> he yeah. will be defeated in the heavens and cast down. And it says in Revelation 12, he will be, he'll come down in great wrath. Why? It says, because he knows, he, knows. he has a short time. Right. Amen. Amen. You read the right. footnote, three and a half years. <laughs> the great right. tribulation. Right. But Saint Amen. Satan over these centuries has been just Amen. robbing us of our time. And then right. it becomes his time just to extend, extend, extend. Oh, Lord, yeah. we need to redeem the time. Really? Like Amen. we read at the beginning. Redeem the time to deal with the Lord to confess to the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to coordinate with the Lord for the bearing of fruit for the proper church life. And saints, this fellowship is not just for certain ones. Don't have the thought, well, here am I, Lord, send Matt Payne. (laughs) Don't listen to this for somebody else. This is for you. Are you not a branch? We all are. This is sober. But I'm happy (laughs) that it is still called today. Today. Amen. Right? It's still called today. According to Hebrews 3.13 and according to 2 Corinthians 6.2, today is still the day of salvation. Aren't you glad? Yes.
I wish you were all unmuted to give me Hallelujah. a So go to the Lord, give him your time, take these words to heart and live under the light of the Lord's judgment seat. May the Lord bring us to make a decision during these days to deal and to pray. I'm finished.